Je prends le nom d'Alexandre Germain, Well, and the next thing you know, there was a um, yeah a torrential downpour. A uh, bit wet. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't, didn't hear it in the Ted Shed. No, 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 it was in Adelaide. So um, you know, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, welcome to the Ted Shed. Uh, joining me as always is Glenn. Um, Glenn, you're actually dialed in this week, mate. Yeah, mate, I'm actually sitting in the shed and uh, I think you're away with work. And uh, where are you this week, Jace? I'm, I'm in Melbourne. Um, I was just, as we were saying, we'll get to it, but um, I was in Adelaide over there uh, for six nights yep. for the um, AFL gather round. Um, oh yeah, and then and then yeah, over to Melbourne. So I'm here for three weeks. So you know, to keep the to keep the content going, I've got all the podcast gear with me, and you're sitting in the shed. So you know, technically yeah, no. a, a TED shed episode, but I'm I'm the one travelling, and you're still um yeah keeping the TED shed serviceable. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Drinking the beer out of here anyway. That's it. Keeping the keg was it the keg pipes clean and gassed. <laughs> Welcome to the Ted Shed. For those who haven't listened, um, it's Glenn and I. We bring you this show um, from the Ted Shed in Springfield, Queensland. We talk about everything Springfield, Ipswich, and beyond. Um, no topic is is off limits, and we, we shoot the shit about anything. Um, so yeah, so let's go back to the, the AFL gather round. Um, I spent six nights there, so I flew in a day early. Um, so the games over there were on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So all eighteen AFL teams uh, in town, uh, and as they said, it's a festival of footy. Um, pretty amazing weekend. Yeah, really. It looked pretty good on the telly, like to see him up in the Adelaide Hills playing games. And um, I think you, you know, I've seen some of your Instagram stuff where you were having kicks, kicks with players. Um, yeah, I think the AFL do it really well, don't they? Yeah. Well, some people were saying it was almost like bigger than AFL week. Um, I've never been to AFL week in um, a grand final week in Melbourne, oh. um, but they had activation zones set up across the river from the Adelaide Oval. Um, they actually had another zone over next to the Adelaide Oval with big screens and that. So if you're in the city, you could watch those community games. But they played one game on the Thursday night, one game on the Friday night, and then double headers on the Saturday and Sunday with um, yeah, yeah. three other games. Um, Mount Barker was where Brisbane North Melbourne played, and then there was a couple of others in a, in a smaller suburban ground. But, mate, it was people mm-hmm. everywhere. What games did you get to, Jess? Um, I, well, this is the amazing thing, right? So hats off to the AFL for this. Um, I bought a four-day ticket. So mm. I went to everything that was played at the Adelaide Oval. But basically, um, so I went to, yeah, six six games? Yeah, six games. Oh, so, wow. Mm. Yeah, that's really cool. That's yeah, you really can say cool. it's a bit a bit much, but look, it, it culminated at the end with the, um, the Collingwood-St. Kilda game. Yeah. Um, which was, yeah, <laughs> I sort of jokingly said on the day there, like, thank you for all the other teams for coming over for the um, pre-show entertainment. Um, but And then it turned out to be, there was, there was a lot of great games. There's a, there a few blowouts as well. Um, yeah. But, yeah, just been there. I've been to Adelaide before, but never to the Adelaide Oval. So um, having having a bit of time over there, like just getting in a day early to settle in and um, have a bit of a look around. Um, yeah. and, and then even then the games were... Uh, pretty much, I think like well, seven thirty type games on the Thursday, Friday. So you even had if you know if you ever want to go because they've got it for the next couple of years. You've mm. got you've got the days to have a look around the city um, and do things, and then still you know rock along and, and watch a bit of footy at night. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I think they've done it really well, and uh, we we sort of had gather round up here when COVID hit, didn't we, up in Brisbane and uh, the Gold Coast? So we sort of it was like a pre trial to the to the gather round. Because that's their first one that they've done, isn't it? Yeah, 
Yeah, and look, and it's it's yeah. no different to the NRL's Magic Round that you now is played mm. at Suncorp there. But um, what I think was a bit of a disservice to Adelaide is is when all the other states saw um, how many people were there and, and how well it was, you know, um, I guess adopted by the, the people of Adelaide. And it was such a fantastic, like WA, Queensland, all these other states all of a sudden start, you know, bidding going, oh, well, we, we want to host it next year. You know, mm. and I thought, well, hang on, yep. Ad- Adelaide's shown the initiative there and worked with the AFL and invested in it. Um, once again, mm-hmm. you're a bit, bit rich of other states to try and, you know, nab that one away. <laughs> Yeah, it's always uh, it's always other states that see when it's successful somewhere they'll try and grab it and run with it. And it's, um, but anyway, it's good that the AFL's given it to them for the next three years, um, and I think that'll just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And and what a great investment that goes into Adelaide for those you know would you say six days or four days or whatever it is? Yeah, four, four days of footy. For four days of footy, footy. So basically Thursday to Sunday. But mate, I'll tell you what, and the Adelaide Oval, um, as we're talking about there, it's. It's a it's a unique ground because it reminds me a bit of Metricon, um, I think, which has been renamed now. But um, up there, Car- yeah, Carrara, yeah. you know, where one end is open. So yeah. um, Adelaide Oval is is very much the same. You've got the Don Bradman stand and Chapel stands on sort of on one side there, and then you've got the South, I think, the South Bank stand or the South Side stand or whatever they call it, um, and then another one. So it's basically a horseshoe, and then the old traditional scoreboard and things there on the hill. Um, so it is unique because you watch it on TV. Like one end, you look like you're at a country ground by a river, um, or you know, you know <laughs> houses and businesses around. And you look the other end, and it's a a massive stadium. Uh, but my my son spent most of the time on the hill. He loved it. He just oh, sta- on the grass hill. Yeah, standing standing there on the hill. And as I said, I think it was um, Friday. No, maybe Saturday. Saturday was torrential rain. And when I say torrential, it's like you know something like a line from Ghostbusters, you know, raining cats and dogs and crimson earth or whatever. And, mate, yep. it, it, was, it was bucketing down. There was, you mm. know, no, no, even in the grandstands undercover, it was not dry. It was coming in sideways. Oh, it was uh, just amazing. But, yeah, my son standing down on the hill underneath the um, old scoreboard <laughs> with a heap of other young boys who'd made the trip over from Melbourne, and they were just chanting and loving it, which is oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And we've got an Anzac Day round now as well, you know, coming up with, uh, you know, two of the top teams, Collingwood and Essendon, playing. So I think it's been since 2000 since both of those teams have been in the top four going into Anzac Day. So I think um, I think we'll, I think Collingwood will come out on top. I don't know. What's your thoughts on that, Jace? Well, as a Collingwood supporter, mate, I'm going to go Collingwood. <laughs> and, and I think I seeing – like it was quite funny watching – you know, because like, I guess in Brisbane, if we just duck back to the gather round for a second, right? When we're in Brisbane, we get a game what every you know two weeks, maybe three weeks, depending on on the rotation, right? So, to see six games of football in one weekend is a hell of a lot of footy. And now I find myself in Melbourne, and you know, today's you know, what a Sunday. I had a day off today, and there was a game this afternoon. Uh, there's actually a lot of teams away at the moment, but there was a game at Marvel tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, and then you've obviously got you know, a game, I think, at the MCG tomorrow and then the Anzac Day one as well. So there's three games of footy here. Um, mm. I've, I've been in Melbourne at times when I had a hotel next to Marvel and there was a game on the Thursday night, the Saturday, uh, the, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So basically four games. It was almost like a, a mini gather round just at mm. Marvel. And, um, yep. oh, yeah, just it's, a, it's obviously it's a football city, but... Um, yeah, unfortunately, I've got no tickets to 
the Anzac Day game. So I've got the day off, but um, mate, that's that thing's been sold out for before. You know, I was told I had to come down for work. So um, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. it's it's going to be a spectacle, and um, you know, I might go down to the ground and and have a look around. <laughs> but oh, uh, definitely feel the atmosphere. It's like a grand final. Yeah, yeah. So look, it's it's amazing. Just. You know, like, I don't know if you can say you can have too much footy, <laughs> but yeah, after a week of every round in Adelaide and then you know being here in Melbourne and there's just games on everywhere else, it's um, mm-hmm. quite a, an unusual experience. Like I said, considering as a Queenslander, you know we get a game you know, maybe every fortnight at the Gabba. It's yeah, these guys yeah. down here are, are footy crazy. <laughs> so oh, absolutely. We actually uh, on Friday night just gone. We had a game at Brighton's home arena, and it was the. Um, a, uh, Army versus the firefighters. Right. So that's a national competition that they play between the RAF, the Navy, um, the Army, the Queensland Police. Uh, they're called, oh, sorry, not Queensland Police. Yeah, Queensland Police, New South Wales Police. So all the services basically have teams. So if you um, are in the services and you play the game, then they have these, these teams that you can go and, and play for. So they played uh, um, Army versus the uh, firefighters in the women's competition and then straight after that it was the men so christina and i just you know kid free this weekend so we just ducked down on friday night and had a had a, something to eat out of the out of the cafe and uh watched a couple of games of footy all free always all free there's always seems to be something going on at brighton homes doesn't there like it's mm. you, you drive mm. past and i know sometimes you can see you know you can obviously see through from springfield green bank arterial but you know there might be the the women training Something going yep. on there. I know that they've they've had events there, and you can see the scoreboards lit up with "Welcome to such and such." You know, whoever's hosted there. Um, you had like, the the, the moment, and yourself were there the other night for the state with mates. Yeah, state with mates on Thursday night. So um, that's a, that's a great thing, I tell you. Um, we got a we got a three hundred gram Scotch fillet steak, um, chips and salad, and a schooner of beer, twenty five bucks. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and it was just amazing. So I think they're going to do it again, um, the moment uh, next month. So yeah, yeah keep out, keep a look out on our socials as well as the moment Springfield, and um, yeah, get along to it. It's, yeah. it's a really good after, really good night. Yeah, I made some new friends and uh, met some old people and some young people and some people I haven't met before and seen some people I knew. So it was um, yeah, it was a really good, really good night out for the boys to get together and have a bit of a bit of a chinwag. Well, yeah, and it sounds like a great event. And look, if anyone is listening from, you know, well, anywhere around Springfield, whether you're in Ipswich or Brisbane, um, yeah, keep yeah. an eye out because you can make a trip down. They are a great social event for, you know, for guys to, to come together and, and have a chat. So, yeah, if you're a guy out there who, you know, doesn't have a circle of friends and wants to, you know, sort of just come down and, and have some dinner with some, some people and, and have a chat and just, yeah. just have a night of connection, um, it's, that sounds like a great opportunity. Yeah, yeah, it was really good, mate. They do it well, the moment. So, um, yeah, they got some they got some stuff coming up as well. They're organising a race day and some other bits and pieces. Um, you know, obviously starting their campaign for raising money for um, Movember. Um, so yeah, they do lots of things through the year. So we're doing a comedy cruise. Um, where I think there's about thirteen of us going on a cruise ship. Right, lucky um, number. For- we're three not yeah, don't say that. It'll be like the Titanic. Um, yeah, we'll probably sink it, mate. Don't worry. We'll, we'll do something silly. Um, but, yeah, no, we're all ducking out to uh, to three nights at sea on a comedy cruise that leaves Brisbane. Um, yeah, so they're always doing stuff to engage the community, so it's, re- it's really good to see. Well, it's amazing that they don't just, they're not just about November. You know, like that, that time of mm-hmm. month, it's not out. You know, they're doing 
things. I mean, I know they do their men's walk out of Orion. Um, two, two, two days a week, mate. Two days a week That's, now. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they do a Thursday morning and a Saturday morning. So, right. I'm still yep. waiting. Still waiting for the 10 a.m. walk. <laughs> no, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> no, it's not. No, that's right. I just joke about. It. I will get along one day. That's, yeah. Once again, that's just a another great initiative. Certainly, and not only about you know raising money for you know um, Movember, but you know they're just as you're saying, not two two days a week. There, it's just an opportunity for blokes to get together and get a bit of exercise, yep. and you know just spend a bit of time meeting and, and you know talking to other people in the community. Yeah, mate, they do a great job. Yeah. So that was job. at Brighton Homes. So Brighton Homes, the cafe there is, is typically only open, was it mornings through to mid-afternoon or something. So they they basically put on an event there to, to cater? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, basically they did, mate. They opened it up and put a couple of staff on and um, we had, I think, 16 guys turned up. So, um, yeah, it was basically, you know, the lines of – the lines really want to work um, in conjunction with the moment. So yeah. – um, I do believe that some of the games coming up, there might even be a section roped off for moment uh, to to invite people along to to get around and watch the footy. So no good I thing. think no um, good. the Lions have got a good initiative going forward with the community, and uh, the moment are definitely going to be a part of that. Yeah. Well, going back to those you know, early episodes that we had where we talked about you know the stadium coming along and hoping that you know these sorts of things would would happen, and the fact that it's coming to fruition is a you know testament to you know, that AFL club, you know, reaching out yeah. and becoming a part of, you know, the, the region that they find themselves in, which is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Doing it really well so far. So, yeah, awesome. Yeah, get along, support the Lions. Even if you don't like AFL, just get in and watch a game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just try try something different. Well, I get think the good thing... Comfort. Sorry, man. No, you're right, bud. You're right. And I was just going to say, I think the good thing is, is when the, the women's comp is on... Um, you know, it will be a very affordable day out and, and it's a great opportunity just to get down and, and watch some footy and, you know, have a few drinks and and stuff like that. So, I mean, because obviously the men don't play there, they train there, but, um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that, that AFLW, you know, rounds to be played there because I think that'll be a great family day out. Yeah, absolutely, mate, absolutely. Hey, did you hear um, out at Willowbank they've got some hire carts again, mate? Did you hear about that? I did I did see that. Was that your... Um your mate um, Dave was posting about that. Yeah, recently. Dave and Nikki went out there. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did. They went out there with the radio show, and um, so yeah. Um, uh, what's his name? John, not John Tetley. Who's the new owner? Quinn. Tony Quinn has um, has allowed go karts to to be out there, and um, so there's a bit of a high track out there. So um, mate, I think I'm feeling it. The Ted Shed episode from the track coming on. Yeah, I'm just thinking the same thing, mate. We should get a good bunch of guys together and some listeners and, and go out there and have a bit of a race night, you know? Yeah, um, well, because you and I, that was a long time ago. You and I ran an enduro out there. That was way back. Mm. Yeah, 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 so way back. So this setup that they have there now isn't just um, a temporary setup like that one was we went out there and did that night. Yeah. This is more of a, a permanent setup. So Which yeah, part of the precinct do they in? I don't know, mate. I haven't seen a it. Minute, so, um, yeah, but I'll, I'll do some investigating and come back to the listeners with that, definitely. No, and that, look, that's, no a, that's another thing. I mean, because you uh, – remember we used to have Mirage? You used to work there, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, back in 94. Yeah, I went to Oxley High and I used to walk down after school and uh, and work there a couple of nights a week down there where Harvey Norman is now on the Oxley Flats there. Yeah, because it was, was – it, I remember a Mirage – I think it was always originally it was a go kart 
precinct, right? But they had bumper boats there and they had the water slides. You know, and then yep, around the right. same time or not long after that, we had Amazons. Yeah, Amazons, mate. I mean, that's, yeah, geez, you're going back now. Yeah, that's generally. That's like a lifetime ago, isn't it? Yeah. yeah but so yeah. you talk about karting, though. We had, you know, like if you look at look at karting, I mean, you and I both you know, were involved in you know, karting for many years. So, you know, there was obviously had your own cart. You could rock up at Willow Bank. There was periods there where there were high cards at, at carts, sorry, at the Willow Bank cart track and, you know, obviously all the politics of, of yeah. that. Um, but in recent times, we've only really had, you know, like once Mirage closed years ago, um, from a high cart perspective, you've, you've got um, Kingston Park um, mm-hmm. or what, yep. the big cart track. And I think over at, is it Eagle Farm or something has got the slideways, like the indoor carts? Yeah, slideways. So you've right. always and had these. A couple down the ground. Yeah, had these little things. But I think, um, yeah, giving someone, you know, like from Ipswich, instead of having to drive to Kingston or something like that to get together with a mate, you know, or a couple to, to have a bit yeah. of a, a, you know, bash. Yeah, having something like yeah. that come to Willowbank is, is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't know if you remember the old Woolen Mills down at Red Bank. We had the indoor speedway carts down there as well way back when. So they were like little mini sprint cars that you'd sit in and, and race around on an oval. Right. And we used to telcom out of the track to get the sideways action. How did you so, do yeah, that, that in was, there? There was pillars everywhere, isn't there? There's what? Uh, pillars. pillars. No, it was only a very small track. Right. Okay. Yeah, there was pillars through the middle infield. Yeah. Um, so I used to work there. It was called in, but. In uh, Red Bank Indoor Speedway Cart, so right. the Sharp family owned that. So um, Dallas Sharp and his and his family. Um, but yeah, I used to work there for a bit, and it was basically an epoxy floor, and they, these go karts would run around on slicks. So, so they had like a roll cage on them with a wing, so it, it looked like a sprint car, but it just had a, a, a four stroke motor in it. But um, and then we'd telcom powder the track with slicks, and we'd go around sideways like a like a sprint car on a speedway track. Oh, how awesome is that? <laughs> I never knew that one. Hey? I never knew that one. Never. Oh, really? No. Oh, yeah, never. yeah. I worked down there for a little bit, Chase. Yeah. Because right. yeah, the other place that I do remember is um, the Archerfield Speedway had you know, carts for many years there in the car park as well. Oh, yeah. That That's right, yeah. And we used, to, um, we used to go down there and practice as well. That's where Monty, my daughter, started driving when she was three and a half years old. Right. Um, they used to open up the track for us on a Saturday morning, and we could take our own carts down. Yeah. Um, so because obviously the AKC or the AKA, whatever it was back then, was so strict about having practice licenses, and you can't come on the track. And you know, when we started karting, you could take fifteen guys out there, and they could all have a turn. It didn't matter as long as you paid your entry fee for one go kart. But That's um, yep. things have changed with insurances, and um, and but yeah, that was a spot where we could go and. You know, take Monty at three and a half to start her go karting, sort of uh, her go kart driving. I know we don't want to sound like old guys, but you know, like back in the day, but that's exactly what it was like. And I remember I used to take my go kart out, and my dad, and my brother, you know, I'd invite friends along, yep. and I'd go do, you know, go out and do some laps and warm up the cart and just, you know, set it up so they could just buzz around and then come in. And you know, it was literally yeah. for the for the um, tank of fuel and your entry track fee for the day. Yeah, everyone mm. would just, just run around and, have, you know, you'd be out there until track close, you know, like a whole day Yeah, that's just buzzing around having a lot of fun. I miss those days. Yeah. Yeah, same, mate. Absolutely. I remember when I first started going to Willowbank, um, non-members were $15 and members were 10 <laughs> Gee. That was your track fees for the day. Mate, and so we probably the- bitched about it scraping together a couple of bucks to go out the track. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I remember racing go-karts and... Um, 
you know, we didn't have a lot, Jace, as you know, and, and we would be putting the leftover go-kart fuel in the car to get home because we were literally <laughs> on the phones of our ass. Yeah, but anyway, oh. you, you raided bins to get tyres and, yeah. you know, you just you had to do it. And, and that, but they were great times, you know. Like, you look at you look at go-karting now and, um, you know, there's, there's people spending so much money, which we have spoken about in previous episodes, but... Mm. To do an Australian title now, it's not just turn up at the track and who's best on the day. They literally do a five round, they do a five round series around Australia. So they're all in Western Australia this weekend. Yeah. So if you're from Queensland and you want to go run the Australian Championships, you've got to go to five different tracks in five different states. How much does that cost? Yeah. Because I remember when you used to go away for titles, like you'd be up at Bundaberg or something like that. You know, you'd pack up yeah. that and away you'd go, and that was the round and. Yeah, look, it is, it. it is the hard thing because, yeah, because it used to be like grassroots, you know, like it was people with all sorts of carts, you know, homemade trolleys and you now people yeah. under marquees and or just, you know, at the back of a trailer and like, yeah, you go out there now and it's, you know, I just, I'd hate to think that it's unattainable, you know, like not saying that, you know, I mean, getting into high levels of motorsport, it's like any sport, right? You know, there could be thousands at the group, yeah. the, the root levels, but, you know, it just gets like a pyramid, it gets tighter at the higher you go, right? But just oh, to yeah. just to think that somebody today couldn't put together, you know, like you and I, I think we've you know, looked at carts recently of just something to buy to have a run around. And, but let's say today you, you drop what three and a half, four thousand dollars on a go kart. I don't think you could take that out to a track and you know run midfield or even competitively these days like we used to be able to do. Right now, if you're out there, you know you wouldn't be saying I'm just going to go buy a second hand cart and just have a crack. You know, you, you're not going to be up the no front. Way. No, no, and even the motors now, for the even junior kids, the motors are $3,500 per motor. So you've got to have probably two of those if you even want to race at club level. Um, and then you've got a go-kart now. I think a go-kart roll of the, is around that five to $5,500 mark. So you're eight and a half, nine grand just to buy your cart and motor. Then you've got to go out and buy suits and helmets and all of that. So you're ten grand to even get your kids started in go-karts. Yeah, which is you know, why I... Th- some sort of level yeah as i was saying is the um the track at willowbank then is is that you know thing that i think is is great for the community because we can get together you know like whether we've raced in the past whether people come from a motorsport background or not we can all go out there and and for a fraction of that you know we drop a hundred or so and um we can participate yeah. in you know a bit of fun against mates and then you know we yeah. just get out get in our cars and drive home there's no you know no maintenance yeah. and fuel and and I, I think that's the appeal of, of these sorts of higher places. So, look, yeah, look, you know, we'll follow up on that one and, and maybe see if we can get out there. But, like, hats off to them for, you know, any business today, you know, trying to set up a venture like that um, is, mm. is, is difficult. There's obviously, you know, finances involved and, and they're taking a risk, um, you know, in oh, yeah. investing. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm keen to get out there and I'm um, – I'm hoping somebody who's listening, yeah, you know, if they're they're interested as well and looking for a, a fun day out, you know, um, goes and, and has a look. Yeah, maybe we should um, set a date and just see if we can get some people to uh, to head on out. We'll yeah, maybe we we'll do that in the background. A co event at the moment. You know, those those guys are yeah. those those guys yeah. are really good, and um, I think yeah, we yeah. could pitch something together. Yeah, definitely. Hey, I want to talk about something else that I saw um, on social media um, today. Um, mm-hmm. It was a news story. So I don't know if you and I have spoken about it. I don't think we've spoken about it on the show. Um, is the conversion of the top car park at Orion? 
You know that one as you go up the ramp, oh, it's yes. up the top there? That's a drone drone yep. zone now. Yes, wings. Yeah, so I saw, I saw the story on social media today. I think it was Channel 9 or Channel 7, you know, cut and, and pasted the, um, the news story from that. Um, so I think it's through – oh, shit, this is embarrassing. Um, Deliveroo. Is Deliveroo still around? One of those, I think, went to uh, the wall. No, it's DoorDash. It's, is DoorDash. it DoorDash? Right. Um, yep. So, yep. But, yeah, you can basically, you know, order things. So I don't know what the, the precinct is. I haven't looked around it. But, um, yeah, they're using that whole top car park now as the takeoff and landing zone for deliveries. So, yep. so I, I was actually walking through there on Friday and they had one of the drones down – um, set up in the middle of a rowing shopping centre, so I stopped. I was obviously curious. Yeah. Um, so basically, what it is is it's up to a one kilo package um, can be delivered to your house. Now, what Wings needs to do is actually go into the centre and actually sign up um, shops. So right. at the moment, they've only got one shop that's signed up, and that's the, the sushi place. Um, so oh. I don't know which sushi place. There's a couple there. Yeah. yeah. So they'll like buy. They'll, they'll go to, um, you know, like uh, the coffee club and say, do you want to be a part of this? Yeah. And then they can either say yes or no. So at the moment, they've only got one one uh, vendor who right. is using the Wings program. So I'm, I'm sure that will grow, um, but it's up to one kilo. So if you do go over one kilo, you'll just get two different deliveries. Right. Um, you need a space in your backyard or in your, your yard that is uh, four metres by four metres clear zone. And uh, basically, the drones are—they're not actually um, flown by a person. Right. They're all done automatically. Yeah. Um, and what they—they have a, a guy that's like a traffic controller, so he will just watch the drones to make sure they're not going to do anything crazy or fly into each other, because then he can take them over. Yeah. But he'll look after fifteen drones, so one person will look after fifteen drones. Wow. Like I said, so the, yeah, ted, the ted shed's in the drop zone. You've got the, 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 the lawn just out front of the shed there, mate, so we yeah. can order sushi in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much exactly right. So so when you do the DoorDash app, you go in there, order what you want, and then you say buy wings, and then it'll go to your house, and then you'll go to like a basically a, an overview picture of your yard, and you'll show them where to, you'll put a pin, mm-hmm. and that's exactly where it'll come down and land the food. They go there. Or oh. whatever you call it. I know they've been mm, trialling this yeah. they've been trialling this out of Logan for a while. I think you and I spoke about the one that um had a had a malfunction and it went to land and it came down on power lines. But um yeah, yeah. from from my understanding is the way that it operates at Orion there is it hovers and drops a tether down and then the person will come out from Correct. the sushi shop, attaches the package to that, it then retracts that up into the drone, flies out, and then that same tether is what, you know, drives so the the, the drone doesn't actually land in your house. It's um Obviously, no, hovering at distance no, and it's just using a you know like a, a cable to to lower and, and lift up. So, mate, I'm I'm keen to test yep. it out. I'd love to love to see. And yep. like when you said sushi, that sort of I, I lit up a bit because my favourite um, the one that I love is is on Main Street there, and they do a, an amazing katsudon and, and um, teriyaki chicken. So I hope that that's under a kilo. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, you should be pretty good. I'll but um, go. apparently, the drones will fly at seventy meters coming to your house <laughs> in height. And then once they approach your property, they'll come down to seven meters, and then the the cable will come out and drop it down, and then it just releases it via a natural weight system off off a hook, right. and then retracts up, and and you don't touch it until it's gone, and and you say yeah, I got my food, and off it goes back to uh, 
back to Orion to get the next delivery. Wow. I mean, that'll be interesting because I've yeah. got some massive gums around my place, right, at the back end, the, the end of the cul-de-sac there. These things are – God knows what the height. So it would be really interesting to see how they navigate them. Um, mate, but I, I, think it, yeah. I, I think it's great. You know, it's, <laughs> it's you know, an opportunity for business to – you know, how many times – you? I mean, you obviously can get Uber Eats and, and stuff like that, but just another opportunity for any business there – um, because I guess we're all, you know, inherently becoming lazy. Um, but sometimes, you know, oh, yeah. like I think from a, you know, if you look at it from the cost perspective of, you know, getting in your car, driving, you know, well, from where I am, for example, five or six minutes, um, you know, parking just to go in and grab something and then back out, this is a much more efficient way, um, you know, well, one, it's taking a car off the road for something, just to, like a short trip to go and grab some food. Um, yeah, it's good for the environment too, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think it's it's you know there's there's a ton of businesses there, so I could imagine, you know, we might even be in in a situation where hopefully if more businesses from Orion come on, um, there'll be a lot of those last minute things that you need to grab or something else like that. You know, the kids need a you know something from a news agent or, you know, pen pack and a yep. few other things like that. You can just order that up and have it rock up. You know, instead of having to do a mad dash down to to grab something. Exactly, especially in summer when you can't find a car park. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that in itself is, I mean, they're losing car parks up the top for the drones, but yeah, you know, it, yeah. if it still supports the businesses in there. Um, I, the only yeah. thing is I hope that, you know, the delivery fees and, and other things aren't, you know, too ridiculous. Um, would think, be a bit of a turn I had a off, bit right? Of on the app. Yeah, I had a little, little bit of a look on the app. I don't think they've got, I think you can sign up with DoorDash and you pay $9 Quote me if I'm wrong, but I think it's nine dollars ninety a month, and there's no delivery fees. Right. Yeah. I mean, do you know if the so products are dearer? Get... Because I know with Uber, right, not only do you pay a delivery fee, yeah. but you know, if like I said, if you go to Subway at Springfield and, and buy something, it'll be one price. But if you get it through the app, it's it's dearer, and then delivery on top of that, right? So the business is obviously yeah. getting slugged a margin, so you're paying more for the product as well as the delivery. But that'll That's be exactly interesting. Exactly right. Well, I've spoken to um, I've spoken to Big Papa's Pizza about that, and he's like, "Mate, we're actually in the process of eliminating uh, Uber Eats and all of that because it's just so bloody expensive to us as a business. Yeah, because we can't, you know, we can't charge the customer too much more. But then, so he's actually losing money. He he makes more money by selling you a pizza over the counter. Yeah, rather than on Uber Eats." You know, because he's still, even though we're paying the delivery fees and all that, Uber then charges him a certain amount to be on their platform. And, you know, so that's what we are seeing those exorbitant um, costings. But then even outside of that, he's still paying extra. It's so, probably, it's yeah, probably like, a trade off, though. I mean, I don't know, you know, I've not been involved with Uber and their marketing, but having a, you know, a tech company once upon a time myself. Um, one of the value propositions we would put forward, and you know, I believe Uber is probably going to be no different, is they'll turn around and say, "Look, well, you're on our platform. Where, yeah, we're taking a cut, but look, you know, we're actually bringing a lot more business to you now." So, That's right. a classic is open up Uber Eats and have a look, and you go, "Oh, it's some Chinese yeah. or something." You go, "Oh my god, I didn't even know that shop was there." So you could be, yeah. you know, obviously, yeah, Uber's bringing new business along with their platform, but at the same time, if if the you know fees make it. Um, an impost on that business, well, yeah, you know, like big puppers, they've obviously got to consider whether it's commercially viable to go, yeah, look, I'm getting more business, but I'm not making any money on these transactions because I'm giving so much away to the platform. 
yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Interesting. Yeah, I guess that's a that's a yeah decision you have to make as a business owner. Yeah, yeah. Mate, you're going to yeah. drone delivery some painting services? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> maybe maybe we could get drone deliveries for our paint supplies. That'd be good. I guess it's probably a weight thing, right? Because when I've seen some things and and I've heard some things around the, the local area where people are like, oh, we can get our whole shopping delivered by you know. Uh, that your shopping probably is going to weigh forty kilos. They're yeah. not going to be sending that in your own. Do you know what I mean? So, and most things that I've seen, the- yeah, demonstrated from these drones. Even that, that article I said that I saw on social media, it was pretty much a like a little cardboard fold up yep. pouch. You know, like you'd almost get from a bakery kind of thing like that. And yeah, it's it's you know, got a sandwich in there, some sushi in there, muffins or whatever. But like, it didn't look like a massive, yeah, massive um, no. box and payload capacity of the drone, right? And they, they, they yeah, travel it so, pretty fast. Are they about 70 kilometres an hour they rip along it? Did you get the I speed at all? I didn't get the speed. No, I didn't, mate. I only got the height they flew at and, and what they come down to. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure of the speed, but um, I guess that's probably something we can look into and, and come back to the listeners, I guess. Yeah, yeah I'm so, intrigued by yeah. that. And I love the design that it's not like a traditional drone. Like most people think of drones nowadays as like the four-bladed you know, like DJI or, yep. or one of those things. It's um, it looks a bit more like a plane. So it's got a plane aircraft wing, um, but it also has the the vertical takeoff capability. So it's a bit of a hybrid that it can use those blades to lift and hover, which it obviously needs. Um, but then I'm assuming when it's in forward flight, it's yeah, it's then using more of a plane like capability of you know the aerodynamics of the wing to to help maintain the weight and the, and the flight. So. Um, it's intriguing. And the thing that I didn't even know that um, Wing is, I think it's sponsored or owned by um, Alphabet, which is the company that owns Google. So, oh, okay, yeah. Wow. So some amazing, you know, some big backers there, right? So, <laughs> um, yeah. Do you know how many? Do you know how many um, Wing locations there are through Australia, or is it just in Queensland, or where are we at with that? Like, because there's not too many around. Like you said, we got one at Browns Plains. And they've been operating for probably six months. Um, yeah, yeah, they've been yeah, there for a while. I don't know. Yeah, I think there's another one, what, another one up north. But I, yeah, I don't think there's too many because they're really in trial phases. And um, you know, our mayor was yeah. on this media clip as well, saying, look, you know, there's a lot of regulation and stuff that council had to do, um, and that's why they're using the rooftop car park at Orion because I think you know, obviously, landing zones and stuff like that it keeps people away. Um, yeah. And there's all these other things that had to be cleared through council. So I mean, I guess logistically. Yeah, you're going to need a government that's willing to, you know, um, I guess help get through those hurdles for these services. But, you know, I guess it's going to be anything. Over time, we're going to get more and more of these um, these types of things coming. You know, the technology is going to evolve. Yeah. Did you hear about the uh, – speaking of technology and, and – um, did you hear about the young kid that got hit at Orion, a four-year-old, by an e-scooter in the main um, food precinct, like through the middle main street? So he must have been somewhere around the sushi shop or the beach house area yeah. and uh, was collected by an e-scooter doing, you know, obviously above the 14 kilometres an hour mark. Yeah. Two riders on it. They've hit this young boy. He's spent two weeks in intensive care in hospital and the e-scooter rider just kept riding. Wow. And you said there's two riders on the scooter? Yeah, two riders on the scooter. Yeah. Um, so they've, they've apparently the uh, the police have released the footage out of Orion and they're like, if anyone knows these two, could you, you know, give, wow. give us a bit of a hand? Because, yeah, so, you know, it's, um, it's probably not a real good, 
good thing for the for the mall, but um, but that's not the mall's yeah, fault, you know. No, 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 definitely not. But but you know they've got to sort of try and police these kids riding around on these e scooters, you know, like. Well, and the cha- are they allowed in there? Is that is that a public is that a public footpath? Uh, um, or is that a shopping centre? Mate, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm I'm assuming if. I would assume that that's that's private land, but like with all car parks, right? Road rules and other rules still apply even on that sort of property. But um, it's funny that you mentioned scooters because when we were in Adelaide, we used them as a, that was our primary mode of transport. Oh, really? Uh, we Ubered from the air, um, from the airport to the hotel, um, and then we used. I did the same thing like when I work occasionally, depending on on where I am. Um, so, like when I was in Canberra once, they have the um, beam scooters down there and you can buy a three-day pass or a six-day pass it's like 25 dollars for a three-day pass and 35 dollars for a six-day pass so we bought these six-day passes right and then every time we walked out of the hotel because these things are everywhere now adelaide the zones that they can operate is pretty much just around the city right so they've just basically put a border around the city um if you know adelaide it's pretty much just a big square with parks around the outside as, as like a moat um, but we, yep. we used them everywhere. You can't take them down the mall. Like, and obviously, because they've, they're higher scooters, which is different to the private ones, of course. So they use GPS. So if you go into certain zones near the mall, um, they slow down. The, the maximum speed you can do on the higher scooters is 13 kilometers an hour. Mate, yep. but, but we used them everywhere. We would get out of our hotel, cross the road, because we were near the casino. Um, there's, you know, you'd get out, there'd be 10, 15 of these things lined up fresh every morning. We'd jump on them and go, right, where are we off to today? We're going to go down the zoo. We would jump on these things. We would scoot past the casino. We'd go down next to the Torrens River. We'd follow the river all the way along on the on the bike, you know, the shared bike slash pedestrian path. Um, then lift off and then go and park them out in front of the zoo and spend you know half a day there or whatever. Come back out, jump on a scooter, ride back a different way. Um, one of the days we we got there and we just did a lap around the city. We just went all around the perimeter checking out. We went out to um, Victoria Park where you know the V8s, the old home of the Grand Prix. Um, yep. had a look around there. I mean, we were just – you were using them everywhere. <laughs> it was amazing. And, and you said it's a capped price for six days. Yeah, so their, their normal fee is an unlock fee is a dollar and 60 cents a minute is their normal fee, right? But to pay $35 right. and have six days, you've got two hours a day of use. Okay. Right? So basically, yeah, we'd get up and we'd go, where are we going today? Zoo, you know, like it might take you, you know, 25 minutes on <laughs> scooters, the long way, scenic way through parks. Um, and then you scoot back and you go, well, there's an hour and you've still got enough that in the afternoon if you, you know, want to scoot over to you know, a different part or, you know, shoot down the botanical gardens or something like that. Yeah, they were just yep. really easy. Uh, well, Jules and yeah. I even did some grocery shopping. We'd walk up to the mall, um, go and grab a bag of groceries for the night of, you know, what we were doing for dinner. And then once we walked out of the mall, we would jump on the e-scooter and it was only about four blocks back to our hotel um, but yep. yeah, we, we just rip along 13 kilometers an hour, you know, it's not real fast, but, um, you know, but we were sharing the footpaths with, with other pedestrians and we'd slow down around them and then, you know, scoot off a little bit quicker once you sort of get out of the, the, the populous area. Um, yep. and that's appropriate use of these things. I guess what we did see in Adelaide, which backs up your story is the private scooters don't have that GPS and speed control. Mm. Um, so yep. Mate, I, I yeah, saw some people there in Adelaide. I don't know, they'd be going over 30 kilometres an hour on them. Yeah, easy, man. But some of those scooters um, really get along. They're, I was following a guy to work one day, and he was on a major road, mm. and I was doing 60, and he was keeping distance. Wow. So I wasn't catching him at 60. 
So yeah. some of those scooters, I don't know whether the regulations need to be changed for when they get imported, um, but yeah, some of them really do do sort of scoot along, which is quite dangerous. Well, the Queensland government, look, I'm, I'm, you know, I've got an opinion on it as the most things, but the Queensland government introduced legislation and like they cracked down and rightly so i mean there's so many people riding around on scooters at speed no helmets you know doubling up yep. all of these things that you know when you open up the app it basically says this is what you've got to do but in adelaide same same thing right people are just doubling up and um i might have even got a photo i don't know if i shared it but i got a photo of someone going through south bank where the guy was riding the scooter and his girlfriend was up on his shoulders Oh wow! Right, you can imagine imagine that height. But anyway, that's what they were right. No helmets, and it was almost like watching a, a circus act. Um, so the Queensland government, I think, in all footpaths now have reduced the speed. Right, so it's not just in the city. It's I think yeah, you said I think it's about 11, 11 or thirteen kilometers an hour is the maximum speed on any footpath in Queensland now. Now, mm. that's I think what you and I spoke about in the past. That's like saying every car on a Queensland road should only do forty. Right, working yeah. to the lowest common denominator. Um, if we looked at footpaths around where we are, I mean, I, I get slowing them down in cities, and yeah, I don't think they should be in places like Orion, the main street there. It's too pedestrian heavy. Um, same as you wouldn't have them in the Queen Street Mall, etc. But when you're out on like that footpath that comes along Greenbank Springfield Arterial Road, you know, like from um, past Brighton Homes Arena down to Himby Yumba, right? You very rarely see yeah. ever a person on that footpath. So I think in that instance, having a scooter limited to 11 doesn't make sense, right? No, because, that's right. I, I do agree with you there. Yeah, because, you know, if people want to use this as, a, as an alternative to a car and, like, they work in a suburb and go, look, I'm just going to go scoot to Orion, that's where I work, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're now being penalised in the fact that most of their route, they'll never see a person on a footpath, right? But I do agree that they should be speed limited once you get into something like the precinct around Orion, um, you know, maybe um, – yeah, I don't know how you police it, but certain areas. I mean, I guess, and this is what they're doing. They're policing them with the higher scooters because they've got no-go zones, they've got no parking zones, and they've got slow zones, right? So those electronic scooters that you hire has that technology built in. So if you try to ride into the mall, it just goes nut and locks the wheels. You cannot ride in that zone, right? If you yeah, try to right. try to get off at a part that you can't park them, your app won't let you terminate the ride. You know, he basically just says, yeah, no, right. you've got to go put it back in a proper zone. You can't just leave it here, right? So, but the problem is that tech doesn't apply to the private ones. As you're saying, the private ones are fast and the people do what they like. Yeah, that's right. And obviously, you know, it's, it can be quite dangerous. And, um, yeah, we definitely wish that family well and hopefully that little kid makes a full recovery. Mate, and, and it's Not despicable. Very- the fact that they've hit the kid is one thing, but the fact that mm. they rode off, like, that's a, yeah. that's a mongrel act, right? Yeah, I think and, it's um, I think it's, it's the youth of today, mate. I think, that, again, we talk about, you know, back in the old days, but I think you look at youth crime, and, and it's not saying every kid and every every person is the same, but youth crime is a massive, massive problem Australia-wide at the moment, and I think it just comes down to uh, no respect, really. They just, you know, they think they're above the law. Yeah, and as you and I have spoken about, I mean, it doesn't matter where you come from, if you're disadvantaged or if you're wealthy, like a respect for another person or knowing right from wrong, I don't know why it's changed so much. Like, you know, you said like you know, you, you, your situation growing up as a family, you know, you've not done anything and then turned around and go, well, I came from a poor background or I didn't have this growing up. So like, you know what I mean? Yep. Like it's not, I just don't get why people today think like you're yeah, hitting a kid on a scooter and then pissing off. Or like I even saw the video the other day, was that a mother was loading groceries into the shop 
um, at one of those click and collects. And then yeah. someone's just walked up and jumped in the car and driven off. Oh, my God. And, but basically, there's a baby in the back, right? Oh. And the car has, like, the footage is, it was circulating around. The mother's literally at the back of the car, so the kid's still in it. She's obviously left the keys in it, or, you know, it's a push-button start thing, which, which is a problem in itself. So she's probably had the keys in the car, um, yeah. maybe even running. But she's at the back, loading out of the click-and-collect trolley into the back of a car. Someone just walks around, jumps in the passenger side, Scoot across to the um, driver's seat and drove off. And she's trying to, you know, chase this car and that's the last you see and, you know, shit falling out the back of the car. Um, Yeah, so apparently a couple of other good Samaritans and that have tried to jump in front of the car or whatever to rescue the baby out of there. So they got the kid out and then, yeah, the car drove off. So just how brazen. They've been arrested. Two people got arrested for that. But gentlemen, like, I just, like, what, what, makes you think that you're somehow like going to go well the way i'm stealing a car now is just to walk up to a click and collect and jump in the car and drive it off like yeah i don't know mate is it is it just op- opportunist yeah. what's that word Oppo- yeah being opportunistic yeah, or... yeah that's the one i'm looking for sorry mate it's uh it's late i've had yeah, a big day working. work today yeah you're right <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I, I don't know whether it's just that oh yeah man i really don't know it's um you know the Queensland government. You know, I think I think they're they're darting around the issue. To be honest, I think they just need to get serious about it and start putting these kids away into uh, juvenile detention and really coming down on them really hard. If you're under the age, but you do an act of of criminal, like you're a criminal acting like that, yeah, of what an adult would do. Well, guess what? You get the adult sentence. Well, and here's the thing is so many people, right? I mean, because I, I, I try to, once again, you know, consume a lot of data and, and information and both sides of the story. And, and one thing I've heard on youth crime is people are calling for that, you know, and making breach of bail an offence because it wasn't for kids. It was revoked when, you know, the Labor government came in and it's now been reinstated. But um, so many people in the, in the um, I guess, the corrective services or, you know, in the rehabilitation services say, look, locking these kids up doesn't change them. It actually makes them worse. There's got to be, and everyone just keeps saying we've got to have a better way or there's other measures, but like, what are they? Because, What's the solution? Exactly, because if breach of bail was removed some time ago and the problem is getting worse, well, mm. not, not locking them up for, you know, breach of bail or all these other things, you know, that's obviously not changing anything. Like letting them be more free, it seems like their, their actual behaviour is more prevalent now than it was, mm-hmm. right? So, but the other thing is really interesting, right? So I've got cable um, in my hotel. So I got Sky. You know, I made the mistake again. Um, you know, I watch Sky News occasionally. I tell you what, mm-hmm. they've gone very much like they've got their talking points and <laughs> they are just going to town on everything. Um, but one thing that they did mention in there that I thought was interesting because they, they don't like Dan Andrews, right? Or they don't like anyone who's Labor. Um, but apparently yep. the way that they were talking about doing things and what Labor is doing is they're going, well, here's how we fix um, how we fix problems, right? We just change the reporting. And they then gave all these examples of all the state governments that the way that they've, you know, um, worked on things like crime rates or all these other things is to change the rules. Now, in Victoria, Dan Andrews at the moment, I think – this is another thing. Don't anyone quote us on this, but I think the age of, of responsibility or, you know, for actually being accountable for a crime is 10 in Victoria and in most states, right? Wow. Right? Now, they want to increase that to 14. 
Right. right, and they want the whole country to do that. So what they're basically they're saying is, well, one of the ways because a lot of crime is actually committed from kids that young, right? They're in their you know twelve, thirteen right. year olds. So they're going. Well, the way we can reduce crime is we change the age of responsibility. So anyone who commits a crime under the age of fourteen would not be a crime stat. Doesn't get recorded, right? So It'll what they can do is change the rules and then turn right. around and go, look, we've reduced crime. And you go, well, you've actually oh, done. Oh my god! <laughs> Stop that reporting is- on. Them. What a spin doctor. <clears throat> yeah, mate, but this list, I, I wish I had it, but the list that they did have, um, it just showed that governments are doing it in air, you know, huge other areas as well. Like they just sit there and they change the legislation or they change the reporting requirement. So when you're looking at the figures this year, you turn around and go, oh, okay, well, that, that figure's actually improved. And then they just yeah, turn yeah, around and go, down by 10% on yeah, crime. yeah. And I think no, it's like the jobless rate. Anymore works the same way apparently one of the way they calculate the jobless rate like if you if you if you stop actively looking for work or something else like that so even though you are actually jobless but if you just give up you you don't get counted anymore right so it's like it's like say two million people just go look you know i can't get a job i'm just i'm just going to give up they're not actually now classed as jobless so so, oh my god so their career um what do you call it career doll bludgers I, yeah, I don't, I don't know, mate, exactly. But I mean, once again, if you hear these stories, sometimes you, you want to go, is it a bit sensationalist? But then at the other time, you turn around and go, yeah, you know, I'm not surprised. You know, one way to, to, um, you know, skew a figure is change the reporting. It's the same as percentages, right? We hear it all the time when someone talks about tax. You know, sometimes yeah. I'll talk about percentages, and then other times I'll talk about the actual figure because, you know, three percent of a hundred thousand. Is still, you know, yeah. is, is not the same as three percent of two hundred thousand. So if you want the figure to, you know, sound larger, you'll talk yeah. about well, this person's getting a thousand, that person's getting two. But if you want to skew yeah. it and make it sound fair, you just go well, both of them are getting three percent. You know, you can. Right. It, it's it's the spin doctors, mate. But they're you know, hilarious. Um, so mm. one one other thing yeah. I just want to talk about. You talk about respect and and um, you know, like behaviour. Um, mm. Just. Just things like you know, you and I, we had a um, a TED Shed event recently, and you were saying the other night you're at the Stake and Mates, and um, I know a few people who have applied for jobs and stuff like that, and you hear hear that people just don't um, respond anymore to to things. Like I remember, if I ever applied for a job, um, you know, and you, you weren't successful, I always you'd always get a letter back from the employer saying, "Look, you know, thank you for your application. You've been unsuccessful on this occasion, right?" Um, I hear stories of people who can apply for like, you know, 20, 30 jobs and it's just crickets, you know, yeah. not, not even a response of thank you, we've got your application. I mean, like an email today, God, it's almost, you know, a friggin' automated type service. Um, but then, yeah, when, when the job is filled, they don't ever go back to the applicant and go, thank you for your application, right? So all of these people just yeah. go, oh, put in that, you know, you almost, it's expected, you just chuck in an application. If you don't hear anything back, well... But I just think, oh, how disrespectful is that? Yeah, I think it's society now, Jason. I think everyone's just, um, I don't know, are we too busy to care? Are we too busy to to acknowledge? Are we too busy? You know what I mean? Like, I think it's it's got to that level. And, you know, like I've, our local paint shop up at uh, Bundamba that I use, he was saying to me that he's had three people just not show up to interviews after organising a time to be there. So it's going both ways. It's going both ways. Where people just don't show up. 
And he's like, I've, I've organised this person for 9 o'clock Tuesday morning. At 9.30, I'm trying to ring them to see if they're, you know, coming in or... Yeah, they're running late. caught in traffic or yeah. whatever. Yep. No <laughs> Just ghost him. So it goes both ways, I think. But mm. I think if you commit to something, um, you need to, to act on that and, and actually go through with it. Um, I mean, that's the whole you know, idea of an RSVP. I mean, we, we had the... Um, you know, and, and we wanted to know numbers for our um, Money's Too Tight catering. to Mention event. So, yeah, one for yeah. catering and pizzas, and uh, and that's why we did it. was free, but we still did a ticketed event, right? So um, so we had numbers, et cetera, you know, um, organised pizzas based on the numbers, et cetera, like that. And then, yeah, like, and some people, I mean, rightly or wrongly, something might have come up. I'm not, you know, trying to be, um, you know, critical no, of, but, no. but there was no, no communication, no, hey, sorry, I can't make it. No, it's like... Yeah. You know, and and the only thing that I have, I mean, it didn't it didn't impact us. We still had a great night, um, but you just got to wonder other things, like you know, like with your the stakes and, and mates thing you went the other night. Now, if that venue, for example, um, has opened up specifically because you know you're expecting an X number of people, they might go. Well, you said you got stakes, so they've turned around and said, look, you know, we might have thirty people, so they you know go, okay, we've got to have an order in or make sure we've got you know thirty stakes so we can play it up, yep. and then on the night. You know, 10 people don't show up. Now, still, you know, you might have 20 people there, but that's 10 meals that might have been ready to go on the burners and that. that what happens to that meat? You know, like, was is that yeah. – and those, those you know, like that sort of stuff? Like, you just sort of go, how is – it, is it, you know, I don't know if people out there, maybe if you're listening in, let us know. But, you know, does this happen – I've seen it at parties, you know, when you yeah, organise an event and everyone – um, you try to go, who's coming? And you go, yeah, yeah, we'll be there, we'll be there, we'll be there. And then you have your night and you sort of get there at the end and go, oh, shit, they didn't show up. And oh, they did. And you didn't yeah. even hear from them. Yeah. You know, not, oh, exactly. look, sorry, guys, something come up, the kid's sick, or, you know, we can't, we can't make yeah. it. It's just like, as you said, you yeah. just, you get ghosted. So it's from businesses. It's obviously, yep. yeah, you've said it sounds like even people going for jobs. Um, mm-hmm. But, and, and look, tradies as well. My old man was telling me when he was trying to get that concrete slab done. The number of times he would ring up and um, talk to a, a concreter, and he goes, "Yeah, look, I'll be there on on Monday between you know like nine and eleven. I'll come and do yep. your quote." So he's home waiting. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. That's everywhere. But yep. I'm just like, what, how would he, how do we get to a situation now where people can just feel like they oh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to commit to something, but then I'm just not going to front up. You know, like, I don't mm. give a shit because I've got too much work on or whatever. So why take the quote in the first place, right? Or why? That's exactly right. Right. Because it's typically it's an impost to at least one of those parties, right? Like you said, the employer's sitting there, made time. He might mm. have you know, given up work or doing something else, not on the shop floor because he's got to set aside an hour of his day to do an interview. And then yep. he's sitting around waiting and he's just burning the time for someone, and, you know, just doesn't, doesn't front. Just doesn't front, doesn't call, <laughs> doesn't do anything. And then, you know. Um, then, then they probably wonder why they don't have a job or they can't keep a job. You know, that's another thing. Like when you and I would have first started out in, in work, if your start time was seven o'clock in the morning, you were there at quarter to seven. Yeah. Not one minute to seven. And if you got there at one minute to seven, they'd probably have a go at you for being late. You're, but you're like, oh, no, I'm not late. Well, yes, you are because, you know, you should be here. Um, yeah, we see it a lot even in the trades, you know, like, um, I know when I did my apprenticeship, I was there at 6.30 for a 7 o'clock start. At 7 o'clock or even 10 to 7, I was putting paint on the wall. Yep. And then, you know, our finish time was 3. I was still putting paint on the wall at 2.59. Then I went and packed my tools up and I left by 
but I only got paid between seven and three. You know, but it's just a, it's it's what you do. That was a courtesy thing to your boss to say, hey, thanks for employing me. Now I think it's um, the staff and, 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 you know, are saying, well, you should be thankful that I've turned up today. Yeah, it's a bit like that. And there was another story. Um, like I've Today's been my only day off. Like in Melbourne, I've been basically working 11, 12-hour days um, back to back. And I've, I've got that. So I'm taking today as obviously a Sunday and then I've got the public holiday on Tuesday. So... Yeah. You know, I've I've not even left my hotel today, my apartment. I've just, you know, I've had all my food here. I've just been watching Netflix and um, reading news yeah. articles and stuff. And that's where, you know, like some of the discussion we've had about drones and stuff. I've just, I've, you know, seen this today. I've had the first opportunity to to sit down. And there was yeah, another story that I did skim through. I didn't get too much into it, but it was one of those headlines that, you know, woman and boss arguing over what the start time is because she rocks up at work at 8 o'clock Whereas they expect her to be there ready to work before, like at eight o'clock. So I don't know. I don't know yeah. what the job was. I just sort of just went, oh yeah, whatever. But yeah, same sort of thing, right? That's right. It's like do I, I'm here. Hour. I'm here at eight o'clock. I'm okay. I'm now going to go to my desk and log on. Or am you expected yeah, me to be at my desk and logged on by eight? You know, that's mate, and that's such a grey area. You know, and I guess that's where workers' contracts come into play, mm. and what you have to state in your contracts. I guess you know. But really, if you really look at it, she doesn't have to be at work until 8 o'clock because if that's what a contract says, she doesn't have to be in the office till 8. Yeah, and if it takes her 5 to 10 minutes to, you know, to log in and get established and whatever else like that, well, that's, yeah. Well, that's on the boss's time, Yeah, but I I think businesses, I mean, you've got staff, right? It's got to be swings and roundabouts, Um, Mm. you know. My my daughter's got a job. I'm not going to say where she works, but I think there's a bit of an imbalance there. you know, in, in the way that, that, that business operates. I sort of just sit there sometimes and just go, what? You know, the, yeah. the KPIs that they're setting for people, I just don't think it's an appropriate measure, like the way that they're trying to measure productivity, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's, yeah. yeah. It's, all, it's almost like saying, look, if, if you're a government worker, if you're sitting at your desk between your hours, you're being productive. Right? Yeah. But you could be sitting at the desk watching YouTube, on your phone, whatever, right? doesn't mean you're productive. So, some, sometimes, yeah, you know, businesses put in, in measures, I guess, to manage the productivity. Now, I'd assume the way that you manage, because you're always not on site with your staff, but the way you manage the productivity or the output of those staff is what you expect to get done in a day, right? That's right, exactly. Right? Yep. So if, if they get through it and you know, they're two hours under or you know, they, they stay back an extra bit to, to get it done or whatever, you go, that's what you're expecting mm. in a day. But you don't turn around and... Um, you know, come up with, with some other <laughs> metric of determining, you know, the productivity of that staff member. You go, look, you know, I expect this, this, you know, these four rooms to be painted today. That's what it should take, yep, right? You, so, right? So your measure is those four rooms should be done, right? If they're doing three, you're questioning, well, going, well what have you been doing? That's right, exactly. Right, but yep. you don't turn around and, yeah, you know, <laughs> use, a, use another thing is going, okay, well, send me a selfie view on the job site at 8 a.m. and then another one at 4 and that's how I'm going to determine whether you've done four rooms or not. Because it's got no, no bearing whatsoever on how much they've actually done for the day, right? You just, oh, you were there between a, a time frame. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, mate. It's just, it's just such a strange thing when you, you know, like first world problems. But when you just look at, as you said, about youth crime and respect and then I you know, just thought of, you know, yeah. it's the same. People applying for a job, I think it's courtesy that if you're an employer, um, you know, send send the letter off, even if you get 50, 60 applicants, you know, because a lot of them come in electronically now. Just, 
it's not much to turn around and say, look, you know, thank you, thank you for your, um, you know, for the effort and the time that you've put in to apply. Unfortunately, you've been unsuccessful. We've gone with a you know, different candidate, something like that. Um, and the same thing, if you've got a commitment with someone to show up for an interview, just show up or at least yeah. communicate with them. Like, so we're not saying, you know, like, yeah, you've got to meet every commitment, but if, if you're going to go to a job and do a quote, if you're going to go for an interview and you can't make it, just at least communicate that. Exactly. Reschedule. If something's come up, reschedule. Hey, sorry. Yeah, you know? sorry. Something's come up. Yeah. I, I did a quote the other week and um, it was a guy, you know, organized a quote and I organized lots of quotes. And this one, I honestly, he rang me and he's like, oh, are you still coming out today? And I was like, oh, shit, I totally forgot. And I was just totally honest. He'd come up from the Gold Coast. He has an investment property in Ipswich. Yeah. So it was like 4.30 on a Wednesday afternoon. I literally just hopped in my car. I said, give me a half an hour and I'll be there. I literally turned up and said, I'm sorry. That was 100% my mistake. I totally forgot. Please forgive me. I'm here now to do the quote. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Take take some ownership to to your actions as well. Like I could have made up a bullshit story. But I was like, man, I literally just forgot. That was my bad. I'm so sorry. And I won that job. Yeah, but it's better than lying, exactly, right? I mean, I think this is the thing is, you know, like I don't know where ethics and, and you know, accountability have gone these these days, mm. you know? Like it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like in, in a lot of jobs, and you probably see it, you know, like but in the, the industry I work in, you know, government – oh, it's not, sorry, it's not government. Uh, but employers have to do a number of things, right? They've got to do workplace health and safety training and they've got to do other legal things and – you know, they do so much now in the, in the workplace. There's policies everywhere and mandatory training that you have to do. Yeah. Um, you know, like it's, it's just absolutely incredible what those industries go through to maintain things and that, but they still get others where, um, yeah, it's just you wouldn't think that having to, you wouldn't have to do an ethical course or you wouldn't have to do a course on what is appropriate behaviour in the workplace. Like that's the – yeah. The strangest yep. thing now that these organisations, it's almost like, well, sexual harassment is a course that you have to do and, you know, like do the questionnaire and assessment on to, to as a part of your annual employment. Just, yep. you know, and some of the things that you're reading there, you just go, really? Does people actually need to be told some of this stuff, you know? Yeah. Like I think that's stealing items and, and things like that is actually not a good thing, you know? Yeah, but... Will, willfully on knowledge, you know, ripping off customers is not a good thing. Like, I just don't understand, like, how can somebody yeah. honestly think that that's an appropriate behaviour? Yeah, I totally <laughs> understand that. Back to the sexual harassment thing, I think that's... And same with most um, uh, health and safety inductions. It's actually the companies or the organisations putting the, the emphasis back onto you to make sure that you're compliant and you know the rules to safeguard themselves. So if you go off and do that sexual harassment, they say, hey, did you do that course? And you go, yeah. So we explained to you in that course that wasn't right. Yeah. Well, it's not enough. It's Just reducing their you liability. I mean? Yeah. Yes. That's what it's about. Yeah. It's about the, the companies going, you know, we need to draw a line in the sand here because we don't want to get sued for the actions of one of our employees. If we put them through this course, whether it's health and safety, whether it's sexual harassment, whatever the case may be, we're safeguarding ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is, it is, I guess, yeah, <laughs> things are a long way. I just, it's just one of those things that, yeah, I sort of come across, you know, annually, you just get more and more of this compliance stuff that you need to do. And I, I guess I you know, understand why businesses are doing it. 
It's just yeah. just amazing yeah. that we're really like some of the content you've literally got to spell out. <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. Yeah. just going, oh my god, yeah. Um, like yeah, I don't know, just because we live in such a litigious society and 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 other things, but yeah, so much of it now is about accountability, isn't it, and being sued and whatnot. Yeah, There's a lot of that yeah, stuff exactly. going on. Yeah, yeah it's a big game of chess, mate. <laughs> did you see? Did you did you see? Here, I was gonna say, did you hear about Fox and um. Uh, the lawsuit in the US that Fox has just paid out? Oh, was that something to do with... Um, uh, the, the Trump elections, the last election, the Biden-Trump? Oh, no. no? No. Um. So apparently, and, and this is another funny one, because, um, you know, like, when it, you know, you've been to the US, but when I'm over there, it's the same, right? You've got certain news networks like, you know, Fox that... Um, are very pro-Trump, and then you've got you know CNBC and others on that. Uh, <laughs> you know, you've basically got your was your Democrats and Republicans, and the way that they broadcast and the, the narrative. It's a bit like our, I guess you know ABC and, and Sky. People will say that ABC is yeah. neutral, but others will argue it's not. Um, but yeah, if you've got a certain narrative, right, you tend to there's a certain network that's telling the narrative. So Fox ran this continued story um, because of the, they use voting machines in the US. There's two companies, I think that that um, I think Dominion is one of them. So anyway, Dominion yep. Dominion has sued um, Fox, and I think they settled out of court for like 1.2 billion dollars. Oh wow! <laughs> right, because Fox kept running this narrative after Trump lost the election about vote rigging and problems with the voting machines and stuff like that. And they just kept running that narrative about, you know, Trump's lost the election because these voting machines aren't accurate or these voting machines could be tampered with. And so that, of course, has done, you know, significant um, reputational damage to the companies who've made that voting machine. Um, So, yeah, and apparently they were in court and, you know, they were just about to start the trial or something and then Fox has settled. And, yeah, I think Australian, it's about $1.2 in settlement. And then they've come out and said, look, we've just settled this so we don't have a protracted legal argument. Um, But, you know, in short, we still stand by our claims and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And you just turn around and go, wow, if you stand by it, why did you pay $1.2 billion to make it go away? Wow, and you stand by what you say. Yeah, and I don't think yeah. that was their exact words, but they basically said about you know journalistic integrity and you know and, and stuff like that. They're saying that they want to uphold whatever. But I just you just turn around and say, look, if you've paid one point two billion dollars, um, yeah, if you don't believe like because you know they obviously talk about free speech and other things in the US and you know pre- freedom of the press, but because <laughs> say one point two billion dollars is a bit of money, um, if you think well, you're in the right. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, 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 I, I, I didn't do that. But here's a, here's a billion dollars, just go away. So yeah, now the other, away. now the other um, machine company mm-hmm. hasn't gone to court yet. So you can just imagine that they're going to go for every cent. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So the question is, is does absolutely. Fox now have enough money to stay afloat? Wow, that's that's apparently oh, the, the current talk. <laughs> yeah, it's really? huge. Yeah, wow, it's a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So anyway, mate, um, so one last thing I just wanted to touch on. Um, it's such a – and I don't know if you can answer this or anyone else can. Because um, I'm spending – I'm literally broadcasting at the moment from a high-rise building, right? So I'm on on the south bank of the, um, the Yarra River in Melbourne 
and, mm-hmm. you know, multiple stories up. But there's lots of high-rises around me. And what's the strangest thing here is, and I don't know, <laughs> I just sort of I put a note down here, high-rise living etiquette. It's, you know, like the, the building next to me, um, you know, I think I've got like 48 floors where I am and then the building next to me is taller again and then the one behind. But you can see all the people who are living in the apartments next door, they're probably – the building next to me is probably 20, 25 metres away, right? So we're not mm-hmm. – there's others I've stayed in here where the, the building next door is almost reach out and shake hands. But in every direction that I'm looking out of the apartment that I'm in, I've got a building to the side about 20 metres away. I'm overlooking the swimming pool, the barbecue area, and then into these apartments – and then the building behind is the same. But everyone's got their windows open, all their blinds up, and they're just living their lives. It's such a strange way. I mean, because, you know, you and I live in suburbia where, you know, if your windows are open, you know, you've got six-foot fences around and what you're doing inside yeah. your house is private. But these people are literally living like it's a TV show in that I, mm. I can look right at the very moment and I can just see people standing in the kitchen cooking dinner. There's people sitting, you know, sitting down on wow. the couches watching TV. You know, like it's just all of the side windows, all the blinds are up, and it's you know, it's pitch black. Um, but all their lights are on, and it's it's literally just like this really surreal living experience where. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's yeah. I, I don't know what the etiquette is of you know, like you walking around and and just. You know, yeah, I mean, I've got great views. This is a great thing. As you look out the window, and not only have you got the hotels around you, but you've got this magnificent looking over yep. the MCG and Albert Park and the river, yep. Crown Casino. Just such a strange yeah. experience being yeah. able to look out your window at another, you know, 10 people yeah. living their lives. Yeah, and, and how many peeping Toms do you reckon there'd be? That takes, that takes things to a whole new level. Imagine if you were raising kids in those apartments. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, man, that's yeah, that's it's that's just, a whole can of worms, man. It's just I've just pulled my blind down a bit. They're probably sitting there. What's this guy sitting there, you know, talking on a microphone at a bench? Talking. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that guy's that guy's got multiple personalities. He's probably talking to himself. It's just but no, that's it's right. It's a strange I mean, feeling. Mm, yeah, that's that's really. Um, but do you think do you think you get used to it? Like you just go, oh, whatever. Like that'd be like someone you know standing at the front of my house trying to look through my windows. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it's – well, if you're, if you're um, at home, like you're – I know the front of your house, right? You'd put those blinds down because one of them's in, obviously into a living space and others into a bedroom, right? So you're not going to be there at night, even though you've got a big fence and a wall, but because you've got the high mm. footpath, if you're living your life at night, you're likely going to you know tilt those blinds or close the shutters or something, right, right? and then yeah. sit there watching TV or something. But here it's, it's not like that at all. It's, you know, all the blinds are up and it's like, you know, you can see literally into the bedroom, into the lounge room and into the kitchen. <laughs> Obviously because they don't want to lose the view. So they've got the option to put their blinds down, but they just don't want to lose the view mm. while they're cooking dinner. They're, they're overlooking South Bank. Well, and then mm. no, nobody's doing anything inappropriate. Like even myself, I'm sitting here with know. my blind up at the moment on a, on a laptop and a microphone. You know, yeah. sitting here at a yeah. kitchen bench. So, I mean, there's nothing untoward going on, but it's just such a strange thing. And, you know, I don't know if people who live in inner city apartments in Brisbane, like most, you know, like the three-storey high ones, most of the orientations are those. You're not really – it's not quite the same. You know, like they've got their verandas and, and other things like that. But just, yeah, being in high-rises in close proximity to others, it's – you know, maybe they're just going, you know what, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just sitting here watching TV, cooking my dinner – living my life, who gives a shit if someone's watching, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's, 
yeah, that's interesting. Maybe you should go get a set of binoculars, and uh, next time we have a chat, you can tell me how many inappropriate. <laughs> I'm sure I'll get some knocks on the door then. You know? <laughs> Someone's trying to work out what apartment I'm on, or you know. Yeah, that's <clears> right, <throat> exactly. But oh, it, it, yeah, it is that's... it is strange. It's just you know it's so foreign. I mean, well, I can't say it's foreign because I, I travel a lot, but. Um, yeah, it, it's just it's, Melbourne is particular for it because there's you know, so many high rises here where they're actually in close proximity, and mm. everyone's just living out their lives <laughs> in front of. It's just it, it yeah. is it is what it is. Um, it's, we're probably not unique here, you know, in, like at Melbourne because I'm sure there's a lot of other international places where you know there's more high rises and dense living. But just yeah, coming from mm-hmm. suburban Springfield, um, yeah. When we're on a, on a sort of a large block and, you know, everyone's somewhat secluded behind their fences, it's just, just such a bit of a bit of a, yeah. a, a, an observation while I'm sitting here talking. We could, we could start a Netflix show and today on the 13th floor in Building C, room at 25, you can see these people cook dinner and then, you know, like you oh. can change channels, like a multi, it's like a multi-screen <laughs> at the footy. You could just like pick this one you want to watch. Mate, you just we just be start doing um like stories or something like that, and we just you know <laughs> film a room and we do our own voiceovers of them. <laughs> you know? In Japanese, yeah, you pe- want book one? <laughs> people, people walking around, you know, and you see two people sitting there having their own conversation. You just yeah. Oh man, it's, it's funny. I tell you, what, and look, look, it's such a, a shock the other day too because um. You know, you wouldn't believe it. I went from Adelaide to Melbourne, and I don't know, that's a one-hour flight, right? Yeah. I, I spent six hours on a plane last Tuesday. Oh, it, God. Well, because I woke up, it was three states. I woke up in Adelaide, um, flew home from Adelaide to Brisbane, so it's almost a three-hour flight, um, landed, swapped bags, um, jumped on a plane from Brisbane to Melbourne. So I managed three states in one day and six hours on a plane. That's so, crazy. Yeah, my itineraries were already done. So if I had my time over and planned it properly, I could have just you know taken the extra bag to Adelaide and flown from Adelaide to Melbourne. But yeah, anyway, Tuesday was three states. Oh, and I don't know if if anyone's probably anyone following me, but on my personal social media, I put a photo of one of our suitcases. Oh, and I put I put the line underneath it. Um, I want you to go out there and hit the pace car. And they're like, hit the pace car? And I go, yeah, because you've hit every other damn thing out there. I want you to be perfect. This <laughs> this suitcase is one of those, it was like a silver hard case, you know, with the wheels on it. Yep. So it looks, every corner was smashed. Oh, wow. Not just cracked or dinted. We're talking about literally decimated. Wheels were off this thing. It's like it had been <laughs> fallen out of off the plane as we were landing or something, and then the plane's landed on it, run over it, and someone's kicked it down the runway. It was... Wow. <laughs> this thing was destroyed. Um, and what surprised me is nobody, like you'd expect, okay, if something like that happens, you'd expect to get a page in baggage services, you know, going, sorry, your bag's been damaged in flight. Yeah. No, no, it's just come out on the belt with all the others. So there's bags coming around, bags coming around, and next thing <laughs> there's this train wreck sitting on there. And I've just looked at the kids and my wife and just gone, that's ours, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> What can you do? So yeah. I, I've grabbed it by the handle and I've just started walking off and, you know, because it's got no wheel, you know, half the wheels are missing. I've just dragged this thing. So I'm just walking across the airport just going. Oh. I'm making a point of it. Just I've grabbed it by the handle and dragged this thing sliding across the concrete. 
Oh, I'll just go. Oh, I didn't even. Oh, we tried to go to baggage services, but the the lady there, you know, looked like she was going to spend forty five minutes trying to find someone's lost iPad. So we just ran around yeah. and found a customer services manager who was really good and, and helped us out. But I'm just sitting there going, yeah. going, "Wow, whoever thought it was a good idea has just gone." Oh, well, you know, we we'll just chuck it on the belt. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hopefully we don't hear or see that one ever again. Yeah, so yeah maybe, maybe maybe he, he that's his bag always is. We're not going to try and say sorry if I, it was just maybe that's how it you know now we have yeah. has left that's Adelaide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man, oh, hilarious. Mm. All right, mate. Look, I'll, I won't keep you. I know you've had a, a massive day. Um, yeah, thanks, thanks for joining us. I hope that um, everyone thought the audio was was okay. It's a little bit harder when we're. We're separated and, and both pretty busy, but mate, appreciate your time, um, you know, chucking out another episode. And, and once again, we appreciate everybody who um, who listens in each and every one of these episodes. Good on you, man. Take yeah, you evening, have a, have a great week. Melbourne. Hey, yeah, you too, buddy. We'll talk soon, eh? Enjoy yeah, go the pies. <laughs> go the pies. Bring on Anzac Day. Woo! Yeah, cheers, mate. <laughs> See you, mate. Because I'm going to go to the